Well, good morning, everybody. Uh, televangelist Tim is back. I'm not real, not real keen on this, um, but we figured this would probably eventually happen, and, and here we are again. But as you've already heard, um, the, the location that we're at, the place that we're at, is not as important as the heart that we approach this with. So um, as we approach this today, um, let's, let's, let's get after it. I want to talk about uh, baptism today. And I know that doesn't sound like a real exciting topic, but I'm going to try and make it as engaging as possible. And there's a couple of reasons I want to talk about it. We come back to this every couple, three, four years. Um, but my, my not so hidden agenda is that if you're a follower of Jesus and you've never been baptized, I want you to get baptized. And we talk about this often around here, that our goal as a church is to help um, lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus and we think this is one of those steps that everybody who's a follower of Jesus should take um, in their faith journey. So that, that's my not-so-hidden agenda. Uh, but the, the other reason that I want to come back to this every now and then and talk about it um, is because our church is made up of people who come from all kinds of different backgrounds, um, all kinds of different religious traditions and denominations um, and, and churches. And whether you grew up Wesleyan or Methodist or Catholic or Baptist or Nazarene, um, everybody has an opinion about baptism. And it can be a fairly emotional subject. It can be a fairly emotional issue. And the reason it's so emotional is because what you were taught about baptism is right right? Like if, if, if you grew up Baptist, you did it right. I mean, Baptist is right there in, in the name. You went to the Baptist church, so obviously you guys do it. I mean, what's a Presbyterian anyway? What's a Methodist anyway? What's a Wesleyan anyway? If you go to the Baptist church, you're obviously the, the ones who are doing baptism right. And if you were raised Catholic, um, you, you were taught something different, than Protestants. It's not just about, you know, how you baptize, but why you baptize and when you baptize. And it's a completely different thought process. But, but the reason all of that exists, the reason that we come to this from different ways and different shapes, the reason we even have thoughts about baptism is because of something Jesus said, right? It always comes back to Jesus, and, and you know these words, you've heard these words if you've grown up around the church uh, before, but right there, he's talking to his closest followers in Matthew 28. He says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, all people groups. And here's the word, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So, that's what Jesus told us to do, that, that as people learn about me, what, whenever they start following me, part of the process I want to see take place is for them to be baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's something all Christians agree about. But after that verse, it gets kind of goes all over the place. So for a few minutes, I want to show you not only what scripture says about baptism, I want to show you what history shows us about baptism. Because when you take those two and you put them together, it's not as confusing as it's become. All right. So, um, and again, my not so hidden agenda for, for those of you who are followers of Jesus and you've never been baptized is for you to take this step 
and get baptized. Maybe you've never thought about it before. Maybe you are thinking about it. My hope is that you would take this step because Jesus was very clear. As we make disciples, as you are a disciple, as you become a disciple, we're supposed to get baptized. So we're going to look at some Greek language. And I know you guys are more sophisticated than the average person because you come to this church. So you're going to be able to understand this. You're going to be able to get this. Well, how many problems with that? Um, but the little Greek word that's translated baptized or baptism in your English Bible is the Greek word baptizo. Baptizo, it's a real fun word to say, baptizo. And you already know this, but um, the New Testament was originally written in Greek. And so when, when scholars started translating the Greek New Testament into English, they would do one-to-one -one translation. So when they saw the word theos, they would write the English word God. Or when, when they came to the, the derivative of the verb luo, they would write the word loose or free. Whatever the Greek word was, they would translate it immediately into the English word. But there are few words in, in the Greek language that didn't translate, that, translate like that. And one of those words is the word baptizo. In your Bible, when you see the word baptize, it's not a translation of a word. It's a transliteration of a word. And that's when, you, that's when you take not a word for word, it's when you take letter for letter and translate it letter to letter. So instead of translating the word baptizo, they went beta, B, 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 alpha, A, A, A. And they went through the Greek alphabet, took the English equivalent and created the English word we know of as baptize. But here's where it gets interesting, at least to me. In our language, baptize is mainly a religious word, right? Like it's not used a whole, in whole other places other than in a religious setting. But in Greek, it wasn't a religious word. It was a very common word that meant wash or plunge or soak or dip, okay? In, in Greek literature, you find this word to describe people who drown, um, ships that sink, um, a lot of times it's used to describe the washing process. One of the most famous um, uses in Greek literature was in 200 BC, a philosopher named Nicander wrote a recipe for making pickles. And he said, you know, you take the vegetable and you baptizo it in boiling water, and then you baptizo it in vinegar. And when it dies, it goes to heaven right? It's like, no, no. It's just a common Greek word for dip or plunge or soak. And that word has become a religious word in English. So let me show you a couple examples of this from scripture. Um, I'm what I'm talking about. Jesus was talking about religious leaders in Mark chapter seven, when he said this, when they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they baptizo. And they observe many other traditions, such as the baptizoing or the washing, same word, derivative of the same word, of cups, pitchers, and kettles. So again, they have to get baptized before they eat? No. They have to baptize the silverware? No. It's, it's just, it just means wash. Like we would wash our hands, like we would wash our dishes. It was the common term that was meant to wash or dip or soak. Here's another example from Luke chapter 11. But the Pharisee was surprised when he noticed that Jesus did not first baptizo before the meal. Was he concerned that Jesus didn't get baptized before the meal? Of course not. 
Of course not. He just noticed that Jesus didn't wash before the meal. Okay? There's a couple other places in the New Testament, but it just, just goes to show you it was a very common word. And, and, and sometimes in our Bibles, it's translated as wash, and other times it's transliterated as baptize, which leads us to the question, and I know you're already mentally there ahead of me. How did this word take on theological or, or religious meaning? Why didn't, why didn't the translators just put wash? Why doesn't the Great Commission say, you know, go into all the world, make disciples, washing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? Well, here's why. Long time before Jesus, um, this is in the Old Testament, Gentiles would actually visit Israel or, or they would visit Jerusalem. And some of them thought that Judaism was awesome because they were the one people group that was monotheistic. They, they believed in one God, and that was unique in that culture at that point in time. And they appreciated the, the Jewish beliefs. They appreciated the Jewish culture. They appreciated the Jewish community so much that they wanted to become Jews themselves. And so they would ask, how do I become Jewish even though I wasn't born one? How, how do I convert, right? And through, uh, through the years, different Jewish leaders came up with a system they came up with a process that Gentiles, like you and me, could become Jewish. And there are different lists that you can find from different places. But when you put them all together, here's the basic list of things that you had to do in order to become Jewish. All right? Uh, first one, men, you had to have a little surgery, <laughs> uh, which is why most of the converts were women. But no, you had, men had to become circumcised. Um, then you would have a covenant meal like Passover um, or, or something like Passover. You would have to acknowledge the Old Testament law. Basically, you would have to surrender yourself to the law of Moses to pledge to live under its authority for the rest of your life. You'd have to make a sacrifice at the temple. That was common in, in, in Jewish ceremonial worship. And then you'd have to take part in a ceremonial washing. Okay. The interesting thing here is that the washing was done alone. You did it yourself. Nobody, nobody did it for you. Nobody baptized you. Nobody washed you. Um, but it was a representation that you were cleansing yourself of your Gentileness, of, of, your, of your sin, your old way of life. And as you become new, you're identifying with the God of the Jews. You're identifying with their community. You're identifying with their way of living. And again, no one did this for you. You did it yourself. And in parts of the world where the converts were predominantly Greek-speaking, the term they would use for ceremonially washing was, you guessed it, baptizo. Baptizo, so first century Jewish culture, understood this idea of ceremonial washing. And then about 30 AD, something really significant happened. A man, a wild-eyed, crazy man who smelled like your laundry basket, showed up by the Jordan River, and he started preaching. And his message was really simple. His message was, repent, come back for Part two next week, repent. It's like, okay, 
what else you got? Is that, is like, is that all you got? No, repent. That's, that's, that was his message. And his first name was John, right? His first name was John. And here's, here's what John's message was. God is getting ready to do something unique in history. God is getting ready to do something new. And, and you have got to position your heart in a right fashion or you're going to miss him. You need to posture yourself. You need to position yourself in such a way that when he shows up, you are not going to miss him. So I know you're Jewish, but that's not good enough. I know that you make all the temple sacrifices, but that's not good enough. You need to get your heart right with God or you're going to miss him. And then he did the strangest thing. He went down into the Jordan River and he said, if you're ready to repent, I want you to come down into the water with me. And we don't know exactly how he did this, but whatever he did, it looked like some kind of ceremonial washing because the writers of the New Testament went to describe what John was doing and guess what term they used? Baptizo. Baptize, wash, plunge, soak, because they understood. He's not washing off their dirt, right? Like he's not giving them a bath. He's associating them with the message he was teaching. Just like a Gentile would become Jew through a ceremonial washing, us Jews are becoming something different through John's washing. And eventually John got a nickname, John the Baptist. Nobody had ever seen this happen before because you always did it yourself. And you didn't, didn't have somebody else baptize you and they, they didn't know what to call it. So John became John the washer, John the dipper, John the baptizer. And people, people would line up to have John baptize them. Now, why? Why would they do that? Because they were identifying with this new way with this new direction, this new thing that God was doing. They were saying, I believe what he's saying is true. And I'm leaving my old way of living. I'm repenting. I'm turning around. And I'm going to go public with the fact that I believe what John is teaching. It's not enough for me just to stand on the riverbank and say, amen, you go for it, John. I agree with that. John said, no, 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 no. I want the people in your village, I want your family, I want your community to know you're agreeing with what I say, with what I'm teaching, with what God is doing. So come out out here into the water and let's make it public. And then one day, John was, was baptizoing and, and just imagine this moment. It's one of the moments I wish I could go back and just, just in time and watch. John's soaking wet. I mean, he's baptizing all kinds of people. And people are lined up waiting for their turn. You know, some people are washing their, their clothes. You know, kids are playing in the water. This was a communal thing. This is where people gathered. And John stops. And he points up on the hill and he says, Behold. And everybody stops and looks. He says, Behold. The Lamb of God that comes to take away the sin of the world. Just, just, just imagine that moment. He, he's, he's, guys, there's the one I've been talking about. 
You know the one who said, I said who's before me, but he's coming after me, and he isn't here yet, but he's going to get here, and just because he's just now getting here doesn't mean he's not before me. You guys remember all that? Uh, sure, John, right? And Jesus comes down to the river, and he says, John, I need you to baptize me. I, I need you to baptize me, and no wonder. John said, are you kidding me? I, I, I'm not going to wash you. you. You need to wash me. I'm the sinner here. I, 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 if there's anybody who, who needs to be washed, it's me. I'm not even worthy to wear your sandals, much less baptize you. But, but Jesus said, no, it's necessary for you to baptize me. Why? Why? Because here's what Jesus knew. As people watched John baptize Jesus, Jesus was confirming and affirming the message of John. Jesus was confirming. Hey, everybody, everything that John has said up to this point is true. God is getting ready to do something new. Here I am. John, Jesus was confirming and affirming the message of John. So John, the sinner, baptizes Jesus, the perfect lamb of God, who came to take away the sin of the world. And the people on the bank that day, the people who stood around and watched that, had no idea the significance of what was taking place. And then something even stranger happened. Jesus and his disciples, they started baptizing people. They started baptizing other people. And apparently, Jesus never baptized anyone, but his disciples would. And those people were, were declaring publicly that they were aligning themselves with the message and the person and the mission of Jesus. And that's how baptism was launched as this, this ritual, you know, religious type thing. John was the first baptizer in reference to the coming ministry of Jesus. Jesus and his disciples continued it right before Jesus left the earth, right? And Jesus said, okay, if you don't remember anything else I've said, you need to get out of here. You need to go and tell everybody you come into contact with everything I've taught you and when they subscribe to my way of living and believing and behaving, when they decide to follow me, when they decide to die to themselves and take up their cross and follow me, it's not enough that they simply make a mental decision on the inside. Jesus said, no, I want you to see evidence of that decision on the outside. I want you to baptize them, wants you to baptizo them, okay? So this is, to sum it up real quick, three statements, all right? First one, baptism is a public declaration of a new association. It's a public declaration of a new association. I'm going public with my faith. I'm publicly associating myself with the person and the message of Jesus Christ, just like Jesus associated himself with the message of John the Baptist, just like Gentiles associated themselves 
with Judaism. Okay? Second thing, baptism is a personal declaration of a new association. It's not just a public declaration. It's a personal one. Okay? In the New Testament, people who were baptized were people who decided on their own. Yeah, there's a couple, there's a couple places where, you know, an entire family gets baptized and, and we don't know if the kids made that decision on their own. We have no idea. But for the most part in the New Testament, people who got baptized did it on their own. It's not something somebody else can decide for you. It's, it's like salvation. You have to make the decision for yourself. It's a personal declaration of a new association. Then speaking of salvation, the last one is this. Baptism is not a condition of salvation. It's evidence of salvation, right? Now, one quick example of that. Um, if you remember the story of the criminal on the cross next to Jesus, okay? Here is a man that Rome thought he's not even good enough to put in the galley of a ship to row for the rest of his life. He, he, he's wasting space in our prison. Let's just kill him and get rid of him. This man is hanging next to Jesus. He's about to die. So there's really no point in, Jesus, I'm surrendering everything to you. <laughs> right? It's like, what do you have to surrender? You're about to die. Well, from now on, well, from now on's like three hours and you're hanging on a cross. You know, I, I really need to be a better husband. What? No, dedicating or rededicating from a cross is pretty meaningless. But in the last few moments of his life, he has this interaction with Jesus and he recognizes who Jesus is. And remember what Jesus said? To him, he said, hey, today, where I'm going, you're going. And I don't think that guy ever got baptized. I, I, I don't think that was that big of a deal, and it didn't bother Jesus too much that he didn't become baptized because baptism is evidence of salvation, not a condition of salvation. It's going public with a personal decision that you made to associate yourself with the mission and person of Jesus. So here's the bottom line. Here's the question. If you're a Christian and you've never been baptized, what are you waiting for? Like, what, do you, what are you waiting for? If you're a follower of Jesus and you've never been baptized, like this is a point of obedience for us. Jesus told us to do this. Like, like for us, we're, we're not really hung up on the form as much as we are on the motive, okay? Like if you were, you were 14 or 15, you went to a Presbyterian church and they sprinkled you and they didn't immerse you, I don't think you need to be rebaptized. If you understood the decision that you were making, if you were going public with your faith in Jesus, that, with that decision, you're, you're good. You're good. It's not the form. It's the motive. And we, we, we immerse. Sometimes we pour. I've never really sprinkled anybody because it kind of sounds boring, but I don't think there's anything wrong with that necessarily. We're, we're not really hung up on the form. We are hung up on the motive. And if you're a follower of Jesus, we think, I think, you should go public with your faith through baptism if you hadn't already. Okay? 
Now, a couple things I want to I want to point out here towards the end. The, the one of the things I want to talk about is something that people get hung up on in our church when it comes to how we do baptism. Because if you want to get baptized at Grace Point, you have to do this. Okay. So I just want you to know. I've said this before. Everybody's scared of the video. Everybody is scared of the video. If you're scared of getting baptized because you have to sit in front of a camera and tell your story, you are not alone. Everybody's scared of the video. In fact, the people who aren't scared of the video scare me. Like if, if, if somebody just wants the attention or they like their face up on the big screen, there's usually another issue that we have to deal with first. Okay? And I'll say this. If we wanted our baptism numbers to be higher, we would drop the video. Like we don't, we don't, I don't, I don't get paid per baptism. We don't get any kind of awards for anything like that. But if we wanted our baptisms numbers to be higher, we could drop the video. We could baptize a whole lot more people if that wasn't a part. But let me tell you why we're not going to do that. Because baptism is a public declaration. Like the, like the rivers and the streams and the watering holes, those were the public gathering spots in the first century communities. That's where people gathered. And the video is a 21st century form for people to go public in a 21st century gathering spot. And in, in a 21st century watering hole where people come and gather. And the other thing, if, if you've ever been uh, like to a baptism at Grace Point, the video testimonies are some of the most powerful moments in the life of our church. There's some of the moments where God breaks through in, in ways that he, he doesn't seem to in any other way. And so if, if baptism is a next step for you, please don't let the video scare you out of it. If, if you absolutely refuse to do the video, you can probably find another church to baptize you. You can, you know, maybe get a group of friends and family together and do your own ceremony. I don't think that's a great idea, but people do that. And I'm not going to argue with you against it. We're not going to be legalistic about it. Okay. But here's something else I want to throw out. For some people, if and when, you know, they share their story when they get baptized here, because of the size of our church, because of the reach that we have, they will share with more people in that three to five minute story than they will in 10, 15, maybe 20 years. Like when, when, when people share their story at Grace Point, they're going to share that story with, with anywhere from 700 to 1,000 people. And where else? And how else, when else do you have that kind of audience to testify to what Jesus has done in your life? Like why, why, would, you, why would you want to miss out on the opportunity because of a little bit of fear? I mean, every time I see one of the videos, as, as much as, as I love Jesus, as much as I've studied the Bible, as much as I've done this and, and, and preached, my faith gets bigger every single time I hear one, whether it's a kid, a teenager, or an adult. Every single time I hear another story of Jesus transforming somebody's life, my faith gets bigger. Don't rob me of that. 
Don't rob other people of that. Don't rob people of hearing and knowing what God has done in your life. So if, again, if you're, if, you're, if you're watching this today, if you're listening to this today and you're going, yeah, I've been thinking about it, and, and you feel like to obey Jesus, what Jesus said, you need to, to be baptized, we just want to invite you into a conversation. We just want to be invited into the process. And don't like laugh out loud, but the first step in the process is to go to our website. You already heard Pastor Josh talk about this early in the service, but you go to our website, gracepointspeaka.org. The upper right-hand corner of the website, you see a section called Next Steps. You click on that, you go to the baptism form, and you fill out that form. I know it's super spiritual to fill out a form online when it comes to baptism, but that's the first step in the process. It's the best way for you to let us know that you want to enter into a conversation with us. One of the pastors will call you. We want to answer your questions. We want to have a conversation, make sure that you or maybe maybe your kids understand the significance of this. And so we need to gather some of that information and we'll lead you from there. So if that's you, I want you right when I'm done, right when I say amen, I want you to go to the website and I want you to fill out the form. And I want to start, we want to start a conversation with you about what it looks like for you to go public with your faith in Jesus, all right? Now, last thing, last thing and then I'm done. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna load up on you here a little bit. I know this is cheating because you're not here in the room with me <laughs> and, and you, can't, you can't talk back, okay? But for those of you who are worried about the video or you're worried about your face up on the big screen, or you're worried that you know, you're 65 and you've been following Jesus for all your life and people are gonna think, why is that lady who's gone to church all of her life just now getting baptized? Listen, Jesus died for you. Like, like he, he died for you. And, and if you're a follower of Jesus, you believe that. He died a bloody, brutal death for your sin. I mean, the crucifixion was so gruesome. If I were to describe it, it would ruin your day. And the New Testament tells us he did that on our behalf. So compared to what your Savior did for you, a little bit of fear, a little bit of worry, the opportunity to, to share what he's done in your life with so many people. I mean, we kind of, we kind of lose our excuses, don't we? So come on, come on. And I'll tell you what will happen. And I know this will happen because I get the letters and I get the emails. On the day that you're baptized, the day you share your story, I promise you, there will be somebody sitting in the room or watching online, one or the other, that will hear your story and they will need to hear what God has done in your life. I guarantee you. One of the pushbacks I've heard on the video before is, Tim, my story is like everybody else's. Well, yeah. <laughs> Millions of people throughout history basically have the same story. And, and we didn't all get in a room and say, what should the Christian stories be, right? Like that didn't happen. Let's all get on the same page. No. It's the same story because God works in similar ways throughout history all over the world. 
But I'm telling you, the day you get baptized, there will be somebody that hears your story and hears what you have to say, and you may never know their name, but they'll never forget the God's story in your life. They will never, ever, ever forget. And we think that's really important. So I just want to invite you, if you haven't already, if you're a follower of Jesus, to be baptized. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, we want to have that conversation too. If there's something compelling you to have a conversation about who this Jesus is and what he's done in history, we want to have that conversation too. So you can fill out the connection card. And we'd love to have that conversation But the first step, the first step, I know it's so unspiritual, but it's really easy. Go to the website, fill out the form, let's have a conversation, and we'll go from there. Let me pray for us, and then we'll be done. Father in heaven, thank you. Um, Thank you for the medium of, of, of technology for us to be able to gather in this way. It's certainly not ideal. But it is certainly much better than not being able to gather at all. And God, my prayer is very simple. Um, my prayers for the, the, the teenager, the kid, the 20-something, the 40-something, the 70-something, that, that felt a little bit of a nudge today. Because they've got questions. They've, they've got a little bit of maybe some confusion. They've got a... Um, a, a conversation that they want to have about this. And my prayer is simply that you would give them the courage to take the step, to fill out the form, to enter into that conversation, to move towards going public with their faith. God, regardless of, of, of why they do that, my prayer is simply that, that they would do that. And God, as they work through that process, um, as as we continue to see you at work in people's lives, um, God, would you build up your church? Would you build up your people through the testimony of individuals that you redeem, that you renew, that you refresh, that you forgive, and that you give new life to? And God, we just want to see that happen over and over and over and over again. So would you work through your church, by your spirit, for your own glory. And we'll be obedient. We'll do exactly what you tell us to do. I pray all this in Jesus' name.